0: A lot, isn't it? Hey everyone, and welcome to another week of It's Lot with Abby Chatfield. Now, I missed a week last week. I'm so sorry. I was having pretty bad anxiety. I was feeling really weird. I was overwhelmed. The podcast seemed like climbing Mount Everest, to be honest, getting my thoughts out using emotional energy. I'm sure you all understand. um I have another podcast coming out next week that I recorded. Last week, there's <laughs> basically me just crying. So get ready for that. Um, it also has some election commentary. I have not forgotten about that. Don't you worry. I just thought I'd get this one out this week. Now, this week on It's A Lot, I have the amazing Kirsten Drysdale and Zoe Norton Lodge. Zoe Norton Lodge, Jesus Christ who are the hosts of Reputation Rehab. For those of you who haven't seen it, I was on Reputation Rehab. It's an ABC show. You can watch it on iview. And basically, it is a show that, I guess, the title says it all. They try to rehab people's reputations. Um, Guests so far have myself, and Nick Kyrios, And you get to kind of see into the world of the media and how the media portrays different people and different actions so basically zoe and kirsten are very smart amazing women who've been in media for a very long time in tv and it was great chatting to them so uh check it out enjoy Hello Zoe and Kirsten, you're here with me, I'm so excited. Finally we organised it so we have an actual podcast being recorded.
1: How are you? <laughs> Hi Abby. <laughs> nice to be actually on your podcast this
0: time. Wow, the thrill of it all. I mean, the, the monocle, we've got an episode, a mini episode coming out on Friday of this week after this episode drops and you'll hear what actually happened then, but until then it'll remain a mystery as to why we're laughing about it. <laughs> Keep them guessing keep them guessing uh so Zoe and Kirsten are the hosts and creators of Reputation Rehab right you're the creators well we we the 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 creators of
2: the show are Melina Wicks and Sophie Braham but we all kind of um developed it together and produced it and wrote it together so they're they're the co-creators so it really was, was their idea originally
1: they burst the idea for the show, and quite some time ago. This is this show's been a long time in the making. Mm.
0: Yeah, I saw Zoe's post, and it was like years of work. And I was like, yeah. wow, the effort, babe.
1: <laughs> oh,
2: the effort! It's ridiculous. <laughs> Who would work in television? honestly it takes so long to get anything going like it's so so many people when they've interviewed us have asked us about you know cancel culture and we're like babe cancel culture didn't even exist when we had an idea for this show nobody said those (laughs)
0: words so that's how
2: old it is we had we had no children between us and now we have four from when we had this um started talking about the show are
0: you serious it's been that long wow so reputation rehab i was on there it was an amazing we had so much fun I'm filming it, I feel like we were just laughing all day and doing stupid <laughs> shit all day, but also being also working. Um, <laughs> and can you explain the cues to this concept because you'll explain it better than I will? Sure,
1: um, so
2: you go, you go, Though. Oh, no, no, you go.
1: Uh, well, Reputation Rehab, we basically take people who have, you know, tarnished reputations, who have really been copying outrage, a lot of hate, um, have a bad image for whatever reason, maybe real or imagined mistakes, and we try and look at them in a different way and we try and get the audience to, to look at them in a different way. So it can be anyone from, like, Abby. <laughs> I was on there, yes, it was fun. Who we had a lot of fun with and who we kind of showed in a new light by revealing the way villain edits work in reality TV or it could be someone like Nick Kyrgios who was our first episode the subject of our first episode and he's got a kind of problematic image but his was more sort of years in the making and for totally different reasons but at the end of it we want everyone to see the flesh and blood human being behind the headline and realize that maybe these people aren't so bad after all
0: yes the actual humans you know it's an amazing concept and I felt like it really helped my redemption story I have a lot of DMs being like I knew it was bad but I didn't realize it was that bad in The Bachelor and I'm like I've been telling you all this for a year and I no one listens until you see it well, I think I think that's right. and I think it's not
2: just um you can tell people all you want. but I think truly the for me, the the my the highlight of it for me, well, there were many highlights. One of them was definitely talking to your mum. but one of the highlights for me was the re-edit of the the end where we truly just actually took the footage and reconstituted it into the complete opposite of what happened. And I think that, People know that it's edited. Everyone we spoke to understood that they were watching entertainment, not watching like a cinema verite documentary. But it's not (laughs) until you truly see how malleable that footage is and how it can make you feel and think something completely different, have a completely different perception, that you truly understand how insane it is then to start um, trolling somebody for your understanding of their actions on a show like that.
0: Yeah, totally. And I think as well, it's interesting that you only had the footage that was already edited, if that makes sense. You didn't have raw audio of the three months of filming. You didn't have raw audio of even, like, when the cameras went on and I had a mic on of saying certain things. Like, you literally just took what was already there and reconfigured it and it was just, and it was a positive outcome as well. But we'll talk more about this in a little bit. I always start off with asking my guests, what's been a lot this week? This can be anything from, like, you know, you have kids. A kid could do something weird. I don't know what kids do. Like, I don't know what they do, but something strange. Or it could be like, um, you know, you had an amazing a show be launched. I don't know. Which, what's been a lot this week? Positive or negative or funny?
2: Oh, okay. Oh well, I mean, this week has been a lot for everyone, right? I mean, I the election. It's been a oh, lot. Election. Um, so, when, um, how gross can I be on your podcast, babe? As gross as possible.
1: I, okay. I, I feel gave like there's no limits with Abby. Come on. Okay, cool. Babe, I gave a
0: detailed outline of how to eat ass two weeks ago. The week before, how to douche, like.
2: Amazing! Um, <laughs> it's I, I, well, I mean, look—we appreciated the blowjob tips that you gave us on our show, and oh we really God. enjoyed broad. <laughs> we really enjoyed broadcasting them on the national broadcaster. Um, that was a real—that was another massive highlight for me. Okay, a quick caveat—you,
0: I can't believe you included that. I—I I, I wasn't mad about it, but I thought it was so funny. And there was just me on how to make sound so you can deep throat better on the ABC, like on the A. It wasn't Channel Ten. It wasn't. It wasn't even Channel Nine where they have maps, it was the fucking ABC. There
2: was well, a, you know, the, uh, we <laughs> we consider ourselves a very sex positive show, and we think that the um the ABC audience probably, I think, probably a lot of people um were very grateful to you after that evening. I'm sure um the the theory was tested um all around Australia, so it's everyone needed beautiful. a bit of a release after the election. <laughs> so, um, I think it was a really um a real good a public service. I would say yeah. um the ABC is a public service, and that's what you provided. Um, but yeah, so what was a lot for me this week was um. You know, as I'm sure we all saw, um, when Trump was giving his um, first sort of speech, um, when the results were coming in and it was like kind of the most fascist speech in possibly American um, history, uh, I was trying to watch it on a laptop um, in the hallway while my kid was in the shower and um, he was like, "Mom, Mom," I was like, watching this. And then I turned around and he'd just um, done a massive shit in the shower and I was like, oh. Great, awesome. So, um, I uh, cleaned it up and then I was holding it and I tied it up in a bag and I was like standing in the hallway and the speech was getting worse and I was holding it and um, it burst open and um, I just shit just in my hallway. Yeah, so I basically watched that speech um, surrounded by um, poo.
0: What a nightmare scene! I watched a speech and so I disgusting. was discussing. I was sobbing. I, like, I watched it and I was so terrified that he was going to win or that he was going to really, really, really convince people that he had won. And I just, I decided sobbing. I was like, this is the scariest thing I've ever witnessed. It's like we're watching a, a, yeah, like the most fascist speech of all time and his followers believe it because they're in a cult. They're in a cult. Um, but I can't imagine how much worse it would have been with shit through my hallway. It was like sort of um, living in a metaphor
1: of
2: what was happening. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was really kind of perfect. You couldn't um, write it. I was going to say,
1: it kind of sounds like it, it really fit the scene, though. I Yeah, think.
2: It, it did. It did. It was sort of like the movie version of it, like the messed up movie version of it. Like mm. that would happen to the, you know, woman watching it. Um, wow. Yeah, I, anyway, I would I would describe that as a lot.
1: But I mean, that is lot. certainly a lot. I, <laughs> mm.
0: Wow. Every couple of months, I get really clucky, and then something like that is told to mm. me, and I think, wow, so go and have kids yet? I don't think I can handle the poo yet.
1: Mm. Just hold off. Just hold off until you really know you're ready to, <laughs> to sit in feces and watch Trump <laughs> give a speech, Abby. That's when you know you're ready for kids. Mm. <laughs>
0: Kirsten,
1: what about you? What's been a lot this <laughs> Um. Wow. Okay. Well, mine's oh, mine's really awful. My, a really good friend of mine, her mum died, oh, no. um, which was really sad and really full on. Uh, the election was full on. Uh, I got sick. My mum got sick. My kids got sick. It's been a really full on week. It's been a lot of emotional highs and lows and physical um, perseverance.
0: It's oh my a God, lot. you poor thing. Wow, you've got a lot to... I mean, wow, that seems really stressful. I mean, I feel as though like the election really just made everyone's week a little bit more stressful. We all lost three days of our lives. I don't know about you, but I was sitting in front of CNN. Yeah. Just sitting there being like... And listening to them say the same thing over and over again, but hoping mm. yes. that we would... And it got to a point where I was I was sitting on the couch and I was just refreshing every, like, 10 minutes... And then I'd stopped yeah. for a day and then the one time I refreshed and Biden had <laughs> one. And I was like, because like, ah, nah, nah, nah. like, it was like three, it was like three and a half, what four full fucking days of our lives it, wasted. Yeah. And it was like we all, the whole world had to pause, being like, are we gonna have a fascist state in the US or are we gonna be kind of okay and maybe have a chance of everything being normal?
1: It was just like this heightened state of anxiety for like four days. I, and I like, when the first night I was like, I know I have to go to bed. I know I should go to bed, but I just <laughs> can't tear myself away. And then when I finally turned myself away from the like looping coverage, I'm in bed and I'm like checking Twitter and I'm like, this is, I know how unhealthy this is and I cannot help it.
2: Yeah. I don't know about you, Kirsten, but like for me, um, it really changed my relationship with getting up in the middle of the night with a baby because I would be so angry to get up, like, oh, I don't want to get up. And they'd be like, oh, but I can check what's happening in Arizona. Exactly. Exactly. Or
1: something is Georgia? There's 400 more
2: votes somewhere.
0: Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Speaking of babies, actually, the first listener question is about babies. So I get a lot of questions about like, Being a mom and being married, like, I have no idea. Like, I think I know. Why are
2: these people, no offense to your listeners, but why the fuck are these people asking you this question? I literally am (laughs) like, well. You're like the least
0: married person. You have no children. I know. I'm like single as fuck. I have no kids. I don't even think I know a baby. Like, Like, I'm like, I don't know. Like, I think I know, like, one, but it's growing up. Couldn't even tell you its name.
1: <laughs> That's
2: like, I first actually... lesson, they do tend to do that. They tend <laughs> yeah. to grow up. Yeah.
0: So now I can't claim that I know a baby. Now there'll be a headline saying that I lied about knowing a baby because it's no longer a baby; it's now a toddler. But so I got a lot of questions, and I always just put them in a folder in my email called "Baby Questions?" question marks. Like I don't know how to do it. But you two are mothers, and you have mm-hmm. babies. So one of the questions that I wanted to ask you. Is here? Um, okay, I'm really excited for this because I, I also I'm gonna sit back because I have no idea how to answer. Usually, I chime in. I have no idea. Hi, Abby. <laughs> Love the podcast. I've recently become a new mum. Yay! But I'm struggling with having self identity. I feel like my body is just a utility for the baby. My husband helps out where he can. Okay, but uh, a lot of the responsibility falls on me. I don't get a chance to do anything purely selfishly for me. I was wondering if you have any tips on getting back into feeling like myself. I mean, I don't, but to do you?
1: Um, th- is this her first baby? It sounds like it. Yeah, she said she's it, a new mom. I mean, I like, sorry to be a bit of a Debbie Downer, but she's probably not going to feel like herself for quite some time. But the good news is she will feel like herself again. It's just, it's really, really hard in those early months, and and like she said something about she feels like her body. What'd she say? Her body is just like utility. utility. Yeah, Mm. yeah, man. If she's breastfeeding, she's gonna feel like that for a while, and but it it passes. And this is, I don't know, Zoe, if you feel the same way, but I felt like because we've both had two babies each, Mm -hmm. that feeling is easier the second time around because you know it passes it you Mm. know you're gonna get through that time it because the first time Mm. it happens you're like oh my god is this my life forever Mm. will I ever Mm. be myself again and you will Mm. you will it's just a bit of a marathon in the beginning and my advice I guess would be to feel like because you do need some time to yourself you she is going to need some moments to feel like herself and just be on her own so hubby who helps out a little bit that she said he needs to take that baby for Mm. like two hours if however long the baby can go without boob if it's on the boob or whatever and if it can have a bottle all the better um and she needs to go and like seriously just go and get a massage or go and get a bloody blow dry or go Mm. and just do something where she is on her own and she can't hear the baby crying. Because mm. that's one thing that, like, sometimes, like, someone will take the baby and put it in another room and try and give you a break. But if you can hear the baby crying, you can't relax. You just bloody can't. Like, mm. so that's I, 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 That's what got me through was just at least, like, once a week or once every couple of weeks being able to do something like that for myself where you're physically away from the baby. Mm. Does that sound yeah. too harsh? Do I sound no, like no. a mean mom? No, no, no. I no. think that's um,
2: no, I think that's really good. I totally agree with you, Kirsten. I think that's such a good like mantra to remember is that these two shall pass, and everything feels longer when you don't know how long it's going to last. But the thing with babies is. Everything is kind of over in a flash and it really doesn't feel like it at the time. But even, even good faces, even like like my kids will say like the cutest weird way, you know, phrase, like at the moment my kid he says, he instead of saying, Well I never, he says, Well my never. <laughs> and it's the cutest thing, it's the cutest thing I've ever heard. And I'm like, I know it's gonna pass. And I try to like relish it when I, you know, when I hear it, because it's so, it's so damn cute. <laughs> but everything passes you're on a moving train it's all just it's all just marching forward marching forward and I think that you know another thing that um you know Kirsten and I are in quite you know we have a lot of things in common and we have also a lot of things that are kind of different like um you know Kirsten's families um in another state a lot of them which you know makes things much harder I imagine like for me I'm just surrounded by you know grandparents and um support and things like that and there are no other grandkids in our in our family. Um, and so for me, like, I don't know what this girl's situation is, but, um, you know, just, I just took every like ounce of support that was offered to me. I never refused it. If anybody, like I, and and just sort of, and that's not everybody's situation, you know, everyone's completely different. Um, but yeah, you, you have to just force, like force that time in for yourself somehow, whatever it needs to be. And like little things that do help you claw back your identity, whatever that is like, you know, I mean, for Kirsten and I, this time it was, it was really full on because we both went back to work pretty soon after having a baby and I think that poses so many challenges and things like that but also like for me like a part of me enjoyed it because it like working and making tv is such a part of my identity and to be able to kind of straddle those two worlds at once even though it was like unbelievably difficult was quite um you know kind of had its own reward as well so I mean at least one thing that's good is that she's identified the issues for her like she knows that she needs a little bit more support that's coming through pretty clearly and that she wants to feel more like herself so she needs to figure out what that is whether it's you know whether it's like going shopping or you know yeah getting a massage or whatever or you know doing something creative or something stimulating whatever it is she needs to just find a little bit of time to like force that into the routine but away from the baby away from the baby if possible I mean it's yeah yeah but but Kirsten's so right you 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 don't really she might not have realized this but it is so true when you when you hear your baby crying your your tits start leaking half the time sometimes even when you hear somebody else's baby crying your tits start leaking and it's just sort of like you are primed to care a lot and it is it's overwhelming and it's exhausting and you you do it because you're a mom and that's just it is what it is but but having that separation at some point is important. Wow. And don't,
1: oh. and also just like, I would say, don't panic and don't worry that she won't find herself again. Like, you do. Mm. You come, mm. you, you're there. You just, you're there. You feel, lady. She feels like she's not there because she's bloody going to be tired as fuck mm. and not feeling like herself. But one day she's going to wake up and she's going to be like, oh, here I am. I was here. You know, I'm back. I'm back, baby. Yeah. Aww. It'll be fine.
0: Okay, well, thanks for the advice. As I said, I have no idea about any of this, but that sounds good. Right. Could she like schedule? Would it, is it realistic to like schedule in once a fortnight to do something, or is that unrealistic as a new mum?
1: No, it is. It just depends. It depends Actually, a lot yourself. on what your baby's like. Yeah. And um, but yeah, she could try and schedule something in. There might be days where like the baby isn't feeling well and kind of gets in the road of the, what the plan was. But I think that's a good start to try and be like right friday afternoons at 3 that's that's my time yeah like yeah, as add well it
2: like like just sorry to be super contradictory as well but like i think that another thing that helped me a lot is kind of going with the flow it's like if you plan something and it doesn't work out don't don't worry too much like there'll be another there'll be another chance yeah. because at the end of the day the baby kind of is the boss and if the baby's just being such a pain in the ass that you can't do anything you can't do anything but you might be able to the next day you know so try to
1: yeah.
2: not be like you, you know, don't be too, um, understand that there will be disappointment sometimes. Like your plans don't, the best laid plans are not always going to come to yeah. fruition when there's a baby involved.
1: It's like make plans, but prepare to have them fucked. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and have,
2: and, 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 and make those plans with people who get that, like whether they've got kids or not, like people who understand, like, oh God, you know, that there's this crazy sort of variable which is going to, you know, impact. This situation. And also, don't worry if you have to be like, meet your friends, but it's like, cool, I'm going to drop in for 20 minutes. Like, that's fine.
0: Right. Okay. Wow. I have nothing to add because I don't understand baby life. And I probably won't understand exactly. baby life for at least another <laughs> 10 years. You guys are making me think I should adopt one that's like six or something. So, <laughs> like, I'm assuming but it's not. I mean, also,
2: like, I mean, you know what? I, I think we should probably say as well, just for anyone, everyone listening, like, I mean, everyone's different, but I adore having babies. I think they're so much fun. It's so worth it. It's hard to imagine because we've just talked a pile of shit, but it, they are so much fun. They're yeah. so unpredictable. They have, like you know, I wouldn't change things for the world and Kirsten and I both have babies that are very close in age So, Kirsten and I do lots of things the same and so we both have <laughs> babies that are exa- basically exactly two years apart and both Kirsten's kids are like five months younger than mine basically, right? Like so they we, we've gone through it basically um, at exactly the same time and I don't think either of us would change anything.
1: I was gonna. I just want to back Zoe on that. with, like, we we're all talking about the really terrible, shitty, hard stuff, and there is so much awesome, wonderful, beautiful, hilarious stuff. I didn't realize how funny they would be. Oh my and gosh! So true. We should. Everyone should. Everyone should remember that. It's they great should. as well. And
2: yeah, they should. And like, um, you know, like you can do the like. I mean, Kirsten. I mean, it was really like full on and hard. But like Kirsten actually went back to. Crazy full-time TV work with what, like a five-week-old, you know, and like yeah. hardly any family, and like well, having to move filming you, and I was like, uh,
1: "Are we going oh to have to wrap it up in a minute because I can feel my nipples?" Like, yeah, she was going to electrocute and- herself
2: on a mic.
0: It was really, it was really great, and like it was obvious that you enjoy being on set as well. So I guess it would have helped you get back into the groove uh, quicker. Yeah. But and uh, both, yeah, yeah. But it was peak COVID. So when the baby came, we were like, "Can we touch it?" <laughs> like, yeah. So yeah. I haven't even met your baby. I don't think, even though it was on I set. I think
1: he was still in the dr- yeah. He was yeah. He and was so just.
2: I think it just shows as well, like that. What you know, and what your what your listener should remember is like, you know, you can. Being becoming a mum is so challenging, but it really does actually make you realise how unbelievably strong you are, how much you can handle. You can handle like a million times more than you ever thought you could, and you can experience a million times more joy than you ever thought possible.
0: Okay. All right. So now I want to talk about reputation rehab. Um, we had a little chat at the start about about what it is and the whole idea behind it is so good and it helps people like me who have been publicly shamed. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know, what what was the actual what made you think this show needed to be done? Like, was there a certain news story? Was there something that happened that you were like, "Wow, that we've got that completely wrong."
1: Well, I reckon. I mean, so many, like countless news stories. It felt like we were drowning in outrage and public shaming and, you know, just hate. Um, But that's probably really a question for Melina and Sophie because I know that, you know, as we said earlier, that they originally came up with the idea for this show and they were out at dinner one night after another show they were working on. So I always have actually wondered what was the news story that was happening at that particular moment that made them, that really like inspired this little brainchild to come out. And it was like three or four years ago. So it would have been something around around then. Do you know, Zoe? I don't know what the actual um story was, but I think that
2: they um recognized certainly what what appealed to me so much about the show when they when they pitched it to us was that like it just became kind of apparent that like there there was this huge movement about, um, you know, like about calling, calling people out, like call out culture, I suppose people used to call it at some point. Um, And I think that it became pretty apparent to me that there was like kind of one blunt instrument that was wielded for everyone. And some people truly had done terrible things and that's absolutely fine. And they should be called out. And that's, that's, you know, people power and that's really cool. But then also like, we, we kind of just didn't really discriminate uh, in the mainstream media and on social media. We kind of just seemed to be um, have a willingness to, to shame people um, no matter really what they did. And also um, a sort of slight um, disinterest in interrogating um, what really happened and getting to the truth of the matter. I think it's much easier to just kind of um especially for the media to just kind of share the same narrative that they've always shared the more salacious one the one that you know a pictures appears to support um so I think that it was just kind of because we're in the media it's interesting because this is the kind of show the show is kind of a critique of the media in in many ways and we're kind of a part of a part of that industry and I think to sort of come from within the industry and to approach these people such as yourself in a in a different way, like ask different questions, give people a true opportunity to um, discuss the difference between the way the media has portrayed them and how they identify themselves has been just a really fun and fascinating thing to do. And what I think has been so interesting is, you know, um, so far a couple of episodes have gone to air and... There seems to be uniformly people are very very willing to 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 listen to another perspective and to give people a second chance and that's been a really wonderful thing to realise that the 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 audience, the viewers, the readers, they're not they're not monsters and they're not um, you know just hook line and sinker swallowing a media narrative. They're very open to hearing another point of view.
1: That's been, I would say that's been one of the most rewarding things about the show is the audience response and the fact that if you get people to just sit back, chill out, you know, for half an hour, just look at something with fresh eyes and a bit of a sense of humour, they will come around and they, yeah, like Zoe said, uniformly, they realise that the person at the heart of the, whatever we're looking at is just a person, a human being, you know, with with good and bad and almost, or but almost never actually fits the caricature that they've been saddled with in the in the media
0: yeah I think that's yeah. a huge part of it as well is the humor and also having the actual person living and breathing there on your screen and being yes. able to explain things and you've asked them a question earnestly rather than asking a question and media interview and either you see it in writing or you hear it on the radio but seeing someone have emotions and reactions has been, I think, a huge reason why people have been so open to this. And it's funny as well. I was laughing at myself. I was like, hey, you? <laughs> my mum my mom was like, God, we're funny. And I was like, we are funny, mum. God, we're good. <laughs> like, it was fantastic. It was so good. And I think that even people who already, people, I've gotten so many DMs who are like, who are like, I loved you on the show and I've loved you afterwards or I've loved you afterwards and whatever. They, they are even like, but I didn't realise the extent of it. Or yeah. I love you even more now because I've been able to see you talk not just on my phone or my Instagram stories, that there are a few opportunities that I get to talk about um, what happened or about, like, my reputation beyond trying to move past it. Does mm. that make sense? Try and, like, tackle it head on. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: It's. Inc- yes. I wanted to ask you, Abby, because um, we did an interview the other day and um, it was leveled at us, like, because they just watched your episode mm. and it was before it had gone to air and they kind of um, leveled at us, you know, did we feel bad about taking on the role of like that evil producer when we had to edit you? Because obviously, um, you know, anyone who's seen the show knows it's not our show too is a is an edited produced show it's it's something that we you know it's not like just we roll the cameras and just it just air a half an hour straight interview we wanted to make mm. it fun and interesting and and all that sort of stuff but I was wondering um you know what made you decide to to trust us and did you worry at all that we were going to fuck you
0: <laughs> no gonna fucked so many times
1: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's
0: like, I have had that question a lot, actually, even with my friends. I'm like, why did you even like trust to go on another edited show? Even with BIP and then with this, like whenever I appear on TV, people are like, why would you trust them? And I'm like, well, I already got completely fucked by The Bachelor. So how much worse can it get? But um, I don't know why I trust you guys. I just did it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just still naive. I'm just still stupid. And I still just think, um, you know. I think I saw it as a chance to maybe get up to like the mainstream because my Instagram mm-hmm. following like loves me. My podcast listeners, they they're so lovely and they are so on like they understand now what happened. But there are people that literally still see me as a Gemini comment, which is so which is so weird to me because it's it feels like it was ten years ago, and I think it was just an opportunity to I don't know to to explain myself to an audience that isn't Channel Ten particularly. Well,
2: that's interesting that's, that you yeah um I was just going to say quickly it's interesting you said that because um I've seen speaking to a lot of people in my family who like no offense but fucking would never watch The Bachelor like as in you know my father-in-law my father-in-law my my brothers-in-law people like that and who who were just like loved the episode loved you were so blown away by what happened and I think that was something that was really important to us too because our show straddles so many topic areas and the idea is to like you know, we want to show people who already knew you something else, but we also think we really wanted to make the show interesting to, to anyone who's interested in public shaming in general. So um, yeah, I hope we did that. No, it was amazing. It was
0: so, so, so good. I mean, I also want to ask you guys, so obviously you now know all your guests and you, I guess when you approached your guests, you knew there was something a bit off by the way they were covered. Like you weren't just approaching random people that had been accused of horrific (laughs) things. You knew there was something a bit off. (laughs) But were there any, were there any guests that you at the time were completely convinced by their, their reputation of being slandered? I mean, even Nick like I, it's almost like with Nick it's cool to hate him or it's like if you don't hate Nick and even if you have no evidence like I remember I went and saw him play one time and I was like fuck he's good and I didn't really understand why everyone didn't like him and then after the game people were like why would you post and tag Nick Kyrios in your story it's like before the bachelor like why why are you supporting Nick Kyrios? and I was like I don't know because he plays for Australia and he was really good and he won like I like I don't really care about what he does I never even knew what he did wrong oh shit one sec sorry someone just called me and it just started to done let me do a new one let me do a new one thank god it was mine because I can just re-record that what he did wrong and I never understood what was actually the big crime that he had so like there are some people that just have this reputation that it's like everyone just follows along and dislikes them because other people dislike them and it's like yeah fuck Nick Kyrgios
1: (laughs) I (laughs) Nick (laughs) Kyrgios I will I will put my hand up and admit to having just completely followed the Nick Kyrgios sucks narrative mm. because I had never spent more than three seconds thinking about it and it was actually Melina who one of the other girls who makes the show show creator who was like I think we should do Nick Kyrgios because she's a massive tennis fan so she's been following it you know she like and so mm. it was only after we actually I was like oh yeah Nick Kyrgios yeah he's bad isn't he. And then when you actually go deeper and deeper and deeper and interrogate it, I came out the other end before we'd even, you know, made the show, like once Mm. we'd just done our research, I was like, I am a Kyrgios fan. Get, let's get him for sure. Let's get him on the show. Let's turn this around.
0: Because he was doing heaps during like the bushfires and he wasn't he? He was donating all this money. Yeah. And everyone was like, wow, can you believe Nick Kyrgios is doing that? And I'm like, but why are we shocked that Nick Kyrgios is doing that? <laughs> like, and I was like, yeah, it's crazy. Like it's this weird thing where you think if everyone hates someone, there must be a reason. And there's this storm. It's like, well, if everyone that I know is saying that is shit and all the media is saying that is shit then there must be a reason. But I think it, I noticed with, with me anyway in The Bachelor, it was like because there was this assumption that he was shit, the, well, that I was shit, the clickbait, then
1: the media write yeah.
0: articles saying about it and it's a cyclical thing where it's like, well, now you confirmed that, they are shit, but where's it coming from?
2: <laughs> well, it's so it's so interesting because even if you actually bought the narrative about Nick Kyrgios, which was essentially that he was a kind of a brat, you know, he would have tantrums on the court, he wouldn't put in enough effort, he could be doing a lot better if he tried, he swore, all that sort of stuff. Even if you kind of bought that narrative, which we I think pretty successfully unpicked, or at least kind of showed that a lot of that behaviour was either exaggerated or pretty commonplace in in tennis. But even if you even if you still believed all that stuff, it's interesting that you'd then be surprised that somebody would be, res- that that same person would be responsible about COVID or would be interested in raising money for bushfires, because there's no reason why all those things can't exist in one complex person. But what we do is we dehumanize people in in public life and we we really distill them down to a few really digestible, you know, characteristics, like sort of, you know, Devon, like pre-masticated meat and spam. we just were like, this is, <laughs> yeah, Spam. <laughs> We have like this spam version of you, and it's like no one is like that, and nobody, nobody um, in society would would want for the worst thing they ever did to be the the one thing that um that defines them as a whole. And I think um, you know, like that that was so interesting. You know, speaking to you and especially speaking to Nick Curios is just like he he couldn't be more different when you talk to him and his perception of himself and my perception of him couldn't be more different from what you've heard in the media and that's just so extraordinary to me mm. um another thing that came out about you well, not not came out but but a lot of people have been commenting on with reference to Nick Kyrios is that he was 19 years old when all this started 19 was like he? that is yeah like he's only 25 now and like we feel like he's been you know on our screens on the court for forever mm. and i think when you really realize that we were kind of um being that critical um and you know, horrible about essentially a teenager. A kid. It's it's pretty um, it's pretty damning on on us and on the media. I think.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's also interesting. I feel as though, in the same way that we can paint someone with an all bad brush, we can paint them with an all an all good brush, and then when they do something that we that is completely human, like a little a little mistake, a little fuck up. Like if we're using Nick as an example, like a, a passionate outburst in the court. Then we say, you're supposed to be on this pedestal. You're supposed to be perfect. Therefore, you're all bad now. It's like there's this binary. There isn't just, oh, we're all just people. I mean, I can guarantee. Yeah. Um, someone who works on uh, Bachelor, who was a minder, so they, like, take care of all the people in their job kind of is just, like, minding different people on different reality shows. Um, She said to me, she's like, all my friends always ask me if celebrities are nice or if people on reality TV are nice. Like, if Oshig, everyone always, if like, is like nice. And it's like well, yeah, he's a nice guy. That doesn't mean he has to be overly nice to me all the time. Like my one interact, just because you might, you want to hear from me, oh, yeah, one time I said hi to him and he didn't say hi back. That's what you want to hear. That's what you're asking for, right? Because then you can say, well, he's a bad guy and it's all fake. But in fact, I think we forget that people who are in the public eye, particularly in Australia, are just normal people. No one's really like a huge mega celebrity in Australia. Like everyone's just in the media a lot or has their own show or does all these different things. And they're just normal people, and I think we're try, either trying to find something to like to paint them with this brush of like, well, they're going to be us. Like, I get scared that if I'm even remotely rude to someone, a fan that I meet, that they're going to be like, confirmed, she's an asshole. And it's like, maybe mm. I'm just super drunk and I can't get the words out. But that's happened. But I get terrified that I'm going to like meet someone and they're going to yeah. be like, they were all right about her. She didn't. She didn't let me get a photo with her. Therefore, she's an asshole. And it's like, sometimes people just. Like, have an off day, you know? Yep. Yep. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that goes, it's not just, um, you know, celebrities either. Like, you know, the next um, couple of episodes um, of the show involve lots of real people. Like, this is something that, um, I mean, obviously celebrities are real people, but, like, this is, you know, being the victim of, like, a, a public shaming can kind of happen to anyone, which is why it's just so important to remember that, like, you don't know. And that's something that we learned really um, talking to you as much as talking to anyone else, Abby, is that like, you know, you, some of that um, horrible stuff that was sent to you was had a huge, was really impactful and um, quite, quite damaging. And I think that it's just really, um, people kind of know that, but I don't think they really do until they hear it from someone like, such as yourself saying, this is what how that made me feel. This mm-hmm. is what that did to me. Um, because we all need to be a little bit responsible for our actions.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, that's the thing. People don't understand. The I mean, I literally just then, we had to pause a certain call because there's a gardener out the back. And even just then, I um, got a message saying, have you ever thought about killing yourself? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, like it happens every day still, yeah. And it was like, have you ever thought about just ending it all? Yeah, babe, I have. That's why I'm on an antidepressants. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so it's my like, God. It's, like it's still, disgusting, Abby. It's, yeah. I, like,
2: it, makes, it breaks my heart. Like, it's just like... People just really need to stop doing that sort of stuff. It's really, it's really terrible. It's yeah. so terrible.
0: Why yeah. would you, why would you send something like that to somebody? Oh, because, because you have, because you need to project. it. And the thing is, you can understand like that, that psychologist you had on, he was wonderful and the, 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 projection thing and being like, you feel bad about yourself and you know that logically, but it's still like, I think your brain can't separate that when you see those words sent to you, being like, you should kill yourself. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. But, you know, we can, enough about me It's so when it's enough, Jesus Christ. Um, but do you have any guests? I mean, I don't even know who else you guys have on There's So many more episodes to come. Um, were any of the guests super surprising to you? Like they were like way more person, way more chill, or, or were they a bit of an asshole? Like did any of the guests
1: surprise you in any way? And who was your favourite besides me? No, no one was an <laughs> asshole. I don't think. No. Sorry? No, no, no ser- one was an like, asshole. seriously, no one was. An asshole, And no. everyone was surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Some people, what surprised
2: me is some people um, didn't care. Like some people were genuinely like hand on heart, this has affected me none whatsoever. And I believe them. And I think that's really interesting too, that because, and not because it means they're like tough or anything, to be honest, a lot of the time it's because they're older and they're not on social media. So they're not really like necessarily engaging with it on the same level that, um, that other people are but I would say everyone surprised me and I think part of the reason everyone surprised me was because inherent in the premise of the show is a a true belief that there is a disconnect between the way someone's perceived and who they really are and we didn't know who anyone really was Abby we didn't know who you really were until we spoke to you because you you don't and and so we just wanted to kind of give everybody it's like we got the opportunity to speak to all these people we wanted the audience to feel like they got the opportunity to to see them as well so I I honestly hand on heart every single person we spoke to surprised us I think
1: yeah Um, I, I reckon one that was really surprising was like Todd Carney who is a he's a former rugby league player for anyone who doesn't know and he had been in a bit of trouble early on in his career and then basically he was been pretty good and then the thing that ended it was a photograph of him known as the bubbler where he was like he was drunk he was at a nightclub he was at Cronulla um league club I think and he was pretending to piss in his own mouth someone took a photo of it someone else then put it online and it went viral and he lost his job and we're like we and Zoe and I were like it's so outrageous like we're so mad that like that could end your career and he was like uh, I've moved on, it's fine. Like, even really? though he, yeah, like, the, I was surprised by how well he dealt with all of that, even though it felt so unfair. It, it felt like, and I don't know if he has or not, but it seemed like he had been through some really good therapy and had an amazing <laughs> outlook on life. He was just so zen about this really shitty thing that had happened to him. He
2: he was quite philosophical as well because, yeah. um, because he had actually, um, so, that, like Kirsten says, that that one indiscretion is what is what actually got him fired um, from the Cronulla Sharks. However, before he was even hired by the Cronulla Sharks in the first place, when he was when he was playing for other teams, he had a series of um, of other um, indiscretions that were a little bit more um, serious. Um, and they were more
1: serious, and they were more his fault. And yeah. they were more
2: his fault. And he and he, I think, um, the impression I got. Um, talking to him is that he kind of was able to look at the whole situation philosophically and kind of be like, well, you know, maybe one of these that, that kind of really embarrassing, stupid one is the one that ended my career, but like, you know, it could have been one of these other ones that would have been maybe slightly more um, yeah. justified or or something like that. So yeah, he was, he was really interesting. And also just to see like, he's, you know, getting on with his life, got a, got a cool completely different job now and just kind of doing his Doing his thing, and so it, he was a really great example of how, like, because this was a was a 2014 curse. Yeah. So yeah, it you know,
1: happened
2: this, in 2014. Yeah, the bubble. Yeah, <laughs>
1: the <laughs> bubble. It was, <I> was 2014. <laughs> yeah, that was
2: yeah. <laughs> the bubble year of the bubbler. And like you know, because because like I will hand on heart admit that um, you know I'm if there was photographic evidence of some of the stuff I've done in my damn time, I'm sure I would not be hosting a show on the national broadcaster right now.
1: Yeah, I can guarantee.
2: Like, no question. Like, I'll admit that. Um, And I think that, and, you know, what he was probably pretty dumb, but, like, pretty unlucky um,
0: as well. Why do you think the media... Obviously, a story of something really negative goes much further than something, if even something, the most amazing thing in the world that happened, like, even like, let's take, for example, Celeste Barber raising $50 million for, it was 50, and then at the end it ended up being this news story about how she planned all along to make it a fuck up. Like, she genuinely thought she was going to raise thirty grand and just donate it and it was going to be all done and she ended up raising way more. She's an amazing, amazing thing. And the thing that people remember from that, the thing that was, I'm assuming, got more media coverage was the the quote-unquote mistakes made but it was just kind of technicalities and the confusion of a Facebook thing and it was why do you think there is such a focus on all the negative aspects in the media of negative
1: things that happen? I I, honestly I think it's because of our basic biology and psychology so Mm. we as human beings are hardwired to take note of bad things dangerous things things that like you know like this goes back tens of thousands of years because it, you all you need to you, you can look out across the lush of savannah and you can see all of this you know it's all safe it's all safe everything's wonderful look at the beautiful sunlight dappled rays I me mean, know. oh my god there's a lion like and that is nice. all you need to notice from what you can see is the lion because that is the thing that will end your life. So we, and like, I'm not comparing, like, the, the, the difficult no, difficulties that yeah. Barbara has had, but, but, I, but it really, really does, that is why, like, I, I have a background in journalism and there's that whole saying, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. And that is why. It's because bad news gets our attention, gets our emotions going, gets our, you know, that is what we focus on. And we, as news consumers, as media consumers, we actually need to be aware of that and try and overcome that innate bias that we have, and just remember that that's our like survival mechanism. And there's no lion coming to eat us. And let's try and focus on the good, thing. it's good things.
0: Yeah, I mean it's hard because I don't think that I. Whenever I do see, there's this Instagram page called Celebrity Kind, and I did an interview with um them, and she's so lovely. And the whole podcast and the whole uh, Instagram page is about good things celebrities are doing. And even then I'm like, eh, keep scrolling. Like, I'm like, oh, that's nice of them, scroll. Like, I don't even think I like it. Like, because you want something salacious and you want something dramatic and maybe, I I guess... We love drama. We love drama. We we love love drama drama and we love hearing negative things about people that we think are separate to us or I don't think it's even better than us. I think it's that they have their own dramas and we love looking in. We love having like a different perspective and being like, well, that sucks for them and my life isn't, isn't nearly as bad. Um, Wow. It's, (laughs) do you think that ever, like when it comes to negative media coverage, obviously it's like endless. I don't think I could think of any positive headlines that have remained just positive because it's always, it's always like the Les Barber thing. It's always someone does something really good and then there will then be, there'll be some little troll or there'll be some Daily Mail writer or someone will try and find the negative in it. Like there's always got to be, well, we thought they were nice, but in fact it was this. Like
1: every, every time something emerges and we're like, oh my God, look at this video of a good Samaritan helping a lady who fell out of her wheelchair across the road. And then, Everybody's like, what a hero. And then, yes, someone... Will dig through their entire social media history and find something bad.
0: Or well, even assume like, that like ill intent. Like I, I, see a lot of, I see a lot mm. of, of TikToks. Um, love my TikToks. And it's the people doing nice things, like I don't know, like giving money to homeless people or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like the comments are always full of like, why would you film this? And I'm kind of on that side as well. I'm like, you're just doing this for like your own benefit. But then I try to like remind myself, I'm like, but the money was still given. So it's like people still try, even if there isn't anything about that person, particular girls try and find a reason why that was selfish
2: well I think it 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 kind of goes it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before girls I think like that we do want people to be really simple we want them to be good or bad and unfortunately nobody is one of those two things everyone has done some bullshit and everyone's done some great things pretty much hmm. so it's always possible to find that shitty angle always if it, hmm. you're seeing somebody in the news doing something good it's not going to take very long if you'd have a little fiddle around and find something that challenges that perception but the problem is that you should have never Bothered to think of them as a perfect person to begin with. If you'd have just seen the positive story and been like, oh, that's a positive story, then you won't be shocked to find something that doesn't 100% fit with that completely one dimensional narrative. And also, then there's this assumption that
0: everyone's going to be, people will say, well, they're a bad person because of X, Y, Z, and, um, except for things like awful things like racism or awful, hideous things. If someone does something that's a little bit off, and it doesn't align with your moral compass, people then say, well, they're a bad person and I hate them. There are celebrities who do things and I'm like, hmm, that's a little bit, that's a little bit off, but I don't then unfollow them and try to get them cancelled and try to, do you know what I mean? Like it's like this weird thing of like we try to make everyone align by our moral compass. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's It's funny. Like, um, yeah, one of the, um, we talk about comedy a bit later in the season. And one of the things that we hear from a comedian who's, um, you know, it says that like you can make a hundred jokes that everyone loves, and that one joke you make that upsets somebody, they will then hate you more than they hate a serial killer.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because the serial killers assume a- they're a bad person. And yeah. it's like the, it's a fall from grace. It's like, well, the comedians made me laugh and I love them. And now, and it's almost like you feel like you've given. Being their fan, you've given them some a part of you, and you're like, "Well, you've taken this thing, and now you've ruined it for me and everyone else, mm. without without remembering all the all the joy and laughs they brought you as a comedian." Yeah. Um. I mean, even I think controversial figures like Carl Sanderlands, like Carl Sanderland's made me cry twice on national radio. Um, but I don't think, I think he's just a bit of a, he's a, he's a shock jock. And I'm like, I don't think he's an awful person. And I remember when I went on Carl and Jackie O again in my podcast group, when I had it, people like, why would you go on there? Why would you support the media? And like, because A, that's part of my job. That's part of my job is to go on radio shows and be interviewed. And B, because I don't think Carl Sanderlands is an evil, evil person. I mean, you might have different opinions on that, but I don't think he is sitting there trying to be evil. I think he's doing his job and being a shock talk. It's like the producers from the show. That's just their job, right? Or do you not agree?
1: No, I agree. I'm just trying to hold the mic away from my bloody cat because he's swearing really loud. <laughs> Sorry, and I'm hoping he hasn't ruined my audio for you. <laughs> no, it's fine.
0: But do you like, I think even when we yes. say it was bad, then like, they're not all bad and we shouldn't, we shouldn't, unless, again, unless there's something that's incredibly racist or sexist or we've got a sexual assault claim, then. Um, yeah. I've got one more question for you guys. Do you ever think... That the shaming is fair or just, and we had a little chat about this when I spoke to you last. Mm-hmm. And like, for example, those poor girls that um, cross the Queensland border are uh, with COVID, and they were how old? Were they? they were like nineteen or something, and they, they, were, women young, of they were young. They were young, they were young yeah. women of colour who were from um, an area in Brisbane. I think that wasn't uh, it wasn't a wealthy area of Brisbane. I'm Not sure where exactly they were from, but it was so clear that they were an easy target they were on the front of the Korea mail which is the brisbane newspaper for those who, who don't know um so it was like public enemy number one or something like that and it was yeah wild. and yeah. some people not my friends but people on uh facebook that i saw were like it's they've you know they are given covid cases it's completely fair and obviously that is completely disproportionate but do you think there's a certain point where it is fair or do you think that it's just it's just never okay
1: I don't think putting anyone on the front page of the paper for doing what they did is fair. Okay. And I think that people should notice who didn't get their faces put on the front mm-hmm. page of the paper for breaking yes. COVID rules. Yes. Now, there were a whole bunch of very, very, very wealthy people in Melbourne who were predominantly white who didn't, who broke COVID rules, came back from Aspen and breached quarantine. They were all yep. meant to be self-isolating and they helped spread COVID around Victoria in those early days. We don't know their faces. We don't know their names. We don't because know the name or
2: face of the of the quarantine security guards.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. The quarantine security guards are the ones that really did it, aren't
1: they? Well, that that was like later on. Um, and again, it's not even their fault entirely. I mean, they they they're not trained in infectious disease control. They were, mm. you know, brought in to do a job that they. Um, weren't skilled to do Mm, so it it, it, like should we be all throwing like rotten tomatoes at these people like it's just it it's no so in short I don't think okay so the shaming question I think there is in a situation like the pandemic where we need everybody to behave in a certain way and for the good of all of us like we need people to keep their distance we need people to wear masks we so there's a certain amount of sort of I would say peer pressure rather than shaming, which mm-hmm. serves a good purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that shaming people who aren't following the rules properly is going to change their behaviour in the, in a good way, though. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I agree. And we speak to a psychologist in our COVID um, episode about this very thing. And he um, points out that one thing that I think we both found really interesting is the difference between Um, guilt and shame and how guilt like feeling bad about your own behavior can actually really compel you to change that behavior whereas shame is a much less helpful tool it's just about humiliation and making somebody feel like shit and it doesn't actually necessarily have a really particularly positive impact on um, their behavior so I think we're not saying that like necessarily there's absolutely no role for shame at all like certainly if people have done something really terrible there's there's they should be shamed. But um, in the instance you're talking about, it's just, it's kind of ridiculous. And I think also it just sort of doesn't acknowledge the fact that we're all in this together. We're all figuring out this pandemic. It's been really like the craziest year of anyone's lives and just give, random young children
0: a break for god's sake and the deed was done didn't stop them from doing it, it was already done there was only no to name them yep. with their faces yeah yeah when Terrible. other people did not have to endure that and i think that also comes from like i guess the power structure and that they knew that those young women didn't have the resources and wouldn't fight back with lawsuits or defamation suits whereas yep. the wealthy predominantly white people who'd been in aspen from melbourne would, would have some sort of power societal power yep. and it's like we're yep. people while they're down I mean those girls it's already been done what was the use of that what was the point it's not, and it's, wasn't we're going to shame all of you because they weren't going to shame all of us they wouldn't shame all of no,
1: us no exactly and also what we're saying is we're not saying don't hold people to account for their actions of course mm. those girls should have faced consequences for breaking the rules in the way they did but they should just face those consequences the same way any other citizen face the consequences legally with fines going whatever it is that's why we have a justice system Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I just don't think yeah that broadcasting their faces to the rest of the nation was in any way justified no it wasn't well we're out of time and I was second zoom recording so (laughs) I love (laughs) you talking
0: about this but thank you so much for coming on can you tell everyone where to watch reputation rehab and um also your instagram handles
1: yeah, wow. it's Wednesday nights on the ABC at 9.05pm. It went right yeah. after Gruen. So um, watch or Gruen like, first.
2: you know, if any of your um uh, your listeners aren't 112, they might watch it on ivy whenever the fuck they want. And um <laughs> they can watch your episode now. They can watch, there's plenty of episodes up there. Um, And um yeah, please do watch it Um, because, um and if you haven't seen Abby's episode, which I suspect you have, but if you haven't, please watch it because you already love her, but you'll love her even more. Yeah,
1: crazy. And, um, you know, oh. Instagram handles, what are they? Mine's like I had to set one, I had to set a public one up and I'm not very good at keeping it updated, <laughs> but it's it's KD Graham with like three M's on gram. Yes. It's a bit it's a bit lame. Sorry guys, but I didn't want to put my personal one public. So there you go. Um
2: cool. Well I've got no I've got no shame. My personal one is um is public. Um it's just got heaps of pictures of my kids on it. And it's um it's just um at Zoe Norton Lodge.
0: And they'll be linked in the bio. Thanks so much for coming on, guys. Thank oh,
2: you,
1: Abby. Us, Abby. Thanks, legend. Thanks Bye. for coming on our show. I don't know, yeah. this is my reputation. Hey, <laughs> any welcome. day.
0: Yeah. Um,